for coming along in our walk with Jesus Christ. He knows that we need to be squeezed because he knows what needs to be worked out of us and he also knows what needs to be worked in our lives. So the fact is, we have multiple opportunities, don't we? Every single day to grow, to be more like Jesus. So this past week, did you blow it or did you grow in it, in those things that you were being squeezed with? Did you blow up in the flesh or did you allow the Holy Spirit to grow you to be more like Jesus? In other words, when you got squeezed, what came out? Did the agape love of God that we talked about last week, which is the foundational fruit of the Spirit, by the way, did the agape love come out towards others or did the hate and the frustration and the anger of the flesh come out? It's a good question. Also, how about the strengthening joy of the Lord? That's the second fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. Did the strengthening joy of the Lord come out or did did the despair of the flesh? And in fact, not just the joy of the Lord, but see that joy of the Lord, if you remember, the agape love of God comes from Him and then it goes out to others. So it's this... It's this vertical beginning and then horizontal in its results. And joy is the same way. He gives us that joy. It's the strengthening joy of the Lord. But it's not just for us, but it's also to go out to others because there's a lot of people that are living in despair in our generation. It feels hopeless out there in a lot of ways to a lot of different people. But you see, the joy of the Lord is not happiness. The joy of the Lord, as I talked about last week, is really the fact of where God has brought us from. Think about where Jesus has brought you from in your life in your life of sin, in your life of compromise, in your life before Christ. Think about that. Aren't you rejoicing in that today? That's something to rejoice in, what he's brought us out of. Also, the joy of the Lord is there for us and is produced because of where we are, who we are in Christ. Aren't you thankful that you are born again, redeemed, a child of God? You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You're redeemed. You're restored back to right relationship with Him. Doesn't that and shouldn't that bring us joy in our lives? That's a strengthening joy. But beyond that, think about where we're going with Him and going in Him. Not just our journey here on this earth, but one day He's preparing for us a place in heaven for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but that brings me joy and it strengthens me. And that same joy that tells me where I've been Where I am and where I'm going, the world needs it. There's people out there that are living in despair. And that joy, that fruit of the Spirit of Christ is in us. Not just for us to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength, but also the joy of the Lord can be others' strength. And there's that horizontal again. And finally, have you been able to keep that peace with God? You made peace with Christ. You know, you made peace with God through Christ Jesus, but also making peace with others. Have you kept your peace with others? Have you made peace with others? Maybe those that are contentious in your life, those who are divisive in your life, that you've kept your peace, you've made that peace with others. Have you, have you allowed the peace of God to rule your heart, but also that way, but also horizontally to make peace with others that maybe just bug you? Remember, as we said last week, you can't pour out what you haven't allowed the Lord to pour in. If you don't have the agape love of God, if you don't have that strengthening peace, if you don't have that joy of the Lord, you can't pour it out. What's going to come out is anger and hate. It's going to come out as despair and despondency. It's going to come out as just contention. So let him pour it into you so you can have something to give because I can't agape love in my own strength. Neither can you. Now, I can't 
I can't produce the joy of the Lord. That comes from him because it's the joy of the Lord, not the joy of anything else or anybody else. And he also gives us that peace. I can't produce that peace that passes all understanding that will rule my heart and rule my mind. That only comes from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It starts vertically and then it's extended horizontally, love, joy, peace. It all comes from him. And as I said last week, the fruit of the Spirit are actually the personality characteristics of Jesus Christ. We're never going to live these things out in our lives until we fully die to ourselves every day and then yield our spirits to him. I want you to look at a list because we look at Galatians uh, and the, the chapter in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 as the fruit of the spirit, the, the list of nine. But if you go back a couple of verses before that, it gives a contrasting list that I want us to look at this morning. Our flesh if we don't yield to the Spirit, wants to act out in this list found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Listen to this. It's an awful list. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery is kind of a big fancy word, isn't it? You know what that means? It means extreme indulgence in sensual pleasures. That's what debauchery is. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then there's a warning after that. It says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I like how he says, I warn you as I did before. In other words, he had to repeat it. He, he, I, I need to keep reminding you because some of you are still doing this. And if you do, if you keep living in it, if you keep functioning in it, if you keep allowing the flesh to take charge of your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the fact of it. That list that I just read, that's our default. That, that's what we're born in. That's what we automatically do. Without Christ, we will naturally gravitate towards those things that I just read. And we see it happening not only outside of the church, but it's also happening in the body of Christ. They're common. We see them all around. Unfortunately, it's happening in the body of Christ because we are refusing, some of us, to live according to the Spirit. We're not yielding to the Spirit, but we're choosing to give into our default and walk according to the flesh. That's why we see things like this happen. James 3.10 gives us an example of this sort of thing when he says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Well, you think, well, what does that have to do with the debauchery and orgies and all that? Well, think about it. The same list there is also, it talks about uh, uh, dissensions and envy and jealousy and gossip and Stuff like that. So he says, my brother, this should not be my sisters. This should not be, but it is so. It is so. Because we'd rather walk in the default of our flesh, which is much easier, by the way, to do. And it's a lot more satisfying to the flesh, by the way. At least at the moment. Even though it brings death, eventually. But it's much more easy to do that than it is to daily die to our flesh and live in the Spirit. But when we do yield ourselves to the fruit of God, the Spirit of Christ, we can more fully walk out, not perfectly, 
not consistently, but more fully walk out this contrasting list that we read last week. I'm going to read it again today, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. So the contrasting list is like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, which we're going to look at today, by the way, patience, kindness, and goodness. And then finally, next week, we'll look at faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such of these things, there is no law, which simply says you can't make people. You can't pass a law to have someone love someone. You can't pass a law to have someone have joy or peace or patience. Uh, those, there's no law against those because those are fruit of the Spirit. So it's a daily dying to our flesh. It's, a, it, it's something that we do every day to say, Lord, I don't want to be on this way. I, I want to be like you, Lord Jesus. I, I, want, I, I, I want to produce I want there to be in my life a produce of the life of Christ. And when you do that, you're going to live a life in Christ that's beyond your wildest imaginations. 1 Corinthians 2.9 is a very famous scripture that we read and we think about, well, that's one day in heaven. Listen to this. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. You know what that means? It's not just heaven one day, which is true, but it's also here today. In our daily lives, we don't have to just put that on the shelf somewhere and say, well, one day that's going to happen. It can happen today. God has prepared for you peace and love and joy and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All the fruit of the Spirit are for us to walk out a life that's full and abundant in Him. Not perfect, because nobody's perfect. But it can be a whole lot better than, than it is now as we're functioning and all the rest of that stuff that we read in Galatians Verse 19 through 21. I don't want to live on that in that way. I don't want to live in the flesh, amen? I, I, want, I want to live in the spirit because I, I want to experience those things that I, my eye hasn't seen it, my ear hasn't heard it, my mind can't even conceive what it's like to walk in that fruit of the spirit. Now, you've walked in the other stuff. You know what that is. You know what that's like. How about let's yield to the spirit and see what it's like to walk in the fruit of the spirit. These nine fruits. They're all from Jesus, who lives in us, by the way, as we professed ourselves to be born-again Christians. Let me just ask you this. How many love Jesus with all your heart and has him living in your life? Just wave at me and say amen. See, not well, amen. I'm just so blessed and thankful. Good night. That was pitiful. I got to do it one more time because I got to get a loud amen. How many got Jesus living in your heart and you're thankful? Let me hear you say amen. amen. Hey, there we are. The church is alive. All right. I thought we were a Pentecostal church. I was just getting ready to change that mantle out there to something else. But hey, we're going to keep it up there. We're a Pentecostal church. All right. These nine fruit of the Spirit are all from Christ who lives in us. But they're not just for us. But they're also for those out there that live among us. That don't have those fruit. You know, the people that God's placed in our lives to grow... That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Not so nice way of putting it is the people that he's put in our lives that bug us. All right? And there's people in our lives that bug us. Can I get an amen? amen. See, now that was almost just as loud as the first. It, actually, it was a little bit louder than the first amen that I had you do. Amen. Okay, so last week we looked at these first three. Love. By the way, remember love is the foundational fruit. It's the foundational fruit of the Spirit. Everything else is built on it. Everything else is channeled through the fruit of the agape love of Christ. 
Today we're going to look at patience, kindness, and goodness. And as we did last week where the first three fruit started off this way with God modeling it for us and then us living it out this way, these next three fruit are the exact same way. So listen to this. As with all of the fruit, patience is first experienced and learned in a vertical relationship with him. So if you're taking notes today, just write down patience. And I'll wait for you because I'm going to have patience in how long it takes for you to write it. No, I'm kidding. Shouldn't take that long. P. <laughs> All right. You got it? So God's modeling for us patience. And by the way, he models towards us what true godly patience looks like. He is patient with us. Aren't you thankful that God's patient with us? Oh, thank you, Lord, for your patience with me. Then as we, as we see how he's modeled that towards us, then, 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 from that modeling, from that example, we can then be better and really more consistently live out a life before others of God's patience. So first part of this patience, let's look at it, is God's patience towards us. Here we go. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. First off, I want you to see something about this, that God's patience, in fact, if you read the context of this scripture, by the way, this context is really talking about the second coming of Christ when he's going to be returning and all that. So just, he's saying just, it's okay, he's coming back. But if you take this scripture in the, in the sense of, of what he's talking about, what we're looking at today about the fruit of the spirit of patience, he's saying, and, this, and the Lord is telling us this morning, that patience is really more of just saying, in, in, it's, in the reality of the day-to-day, he's waiting. Don't you wish the Lord would return today? But you know why he hasn't? Because we just read it. He's being patient. He's making sure that everybody has another opportunity to receive Christ. He's, his desire is that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance in Christ. That is the patience, ultimate patience of God. If you look at Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. You're going to see, by the way, all three of these fruit today have everything to do with God's repentance, God's desire for us to repent. All of these fruit point people to repentance. All of them. So the Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. Write this down. Compassionate. Write down gracious. Write down slow to anger. Write down abounding in love. Just write it down. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. When you read this slow to anger, I just want you to understand that patience, when it's broken down in its original meaning, is really an interesting definition because you think, well, what is patience? Patience, based on what God's Word said, and write this down too, it means far away anger. It's funny because in the definition of patience is the word anger, but it's far away anger. So really what he's saying in one of the fruit of the Spirit is it's not patience, I mean, even though it is, it really is saying far away anger. So when God's saying, I need you to have patience, he's really saying, I know you're an angry people because that's how we're wired. By the way, God gets angry. And we get angry. 
We can't, there's, nothing to, there's nothing wrong with denying that we get angry. But what God's saying is, why don't you just have it far away? The fruit of the Spirit is to take that anger and put a lot of stuff between that anger and, who, and where you are. That's what it's really talking about. As human beings, wrestling daily with our flesh, who get angry. But it doesn't mean that we have to give in to it. It doesn't mean we have to live in it. Because we have godly patience to help us to overcome anger. So patience is not the absence of anger. Anger is there in our lives. But what patience does, it's it's the reigning in of that anger. By setting anger far away from us, way in the distance, and then placing some things in front of it. And what do we place in front of it? It's the three things that I just read in Psalm 103 verse 8. So how can I not be angry with that person who bugs me, okay? I'm going to put in place of that a Christ-like compassion. I'm going to look at that person and say, okay, why are they doing what they're doing that's making me be so impatient with them and feeling angry? If I don't have Christ-like compassion, I'm going to immediately go to that anger. I've not placed anything between me and that anger to give me reason to not be angry. But if I see them through the eyes of Christ and I have compassion for them and he helps me to see kind of what's behind the scenes there, what's, what's beyond that veil of why they're acting out the way that they're acting, then I've thrown some compassion in front of that anger. It's like, wait a minute. I'm going to give him a little bit of grace here. I'm going to see him through the eyes of Christ. Another thing that he puts in there is grace. Psalm 103.8 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. It's grace. There's a godly grace that's there. Grace simply just says, you know what? You may be acting out. You may be punching my buttons, but I'm going to extend grace to you. I'm going to just forgive you. I'm just going to not let that bother me. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put some grace between me and that anger that I'm starting to feel towards you and what you're doing to bug me. It's hard to do, but these are some tools for us today. One of the things, another thing Psalm 103, 8 says is that he's abounding in love. Well, there's that one. That agape love. It's not the absence of patience. It's not, patience is not the absence of anger. But we, we place these alternatives in front of us, that, that Christ-like compassion, that godly grace, that agape love between us and that person who's doing something that is bugging us. Why do we do this? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's exactly what God has modeled towards us. This is exactly what he does for us. I want you to think about it. Are there things that you do that potentially bug God? Mm. Not me, pastor. Yeah. And me. <laughs> I- I'm sure he's not sitting up there going, well, how precious. He's stealing again. Oh. <laughs> so sweet. Precious. Just don't do that again. No, he probably goes, oh, he's stealing again. She's lying again. It bugs him. You know? He gets angry. He has a righteous anger there because you're sinning. You're doing the wrong stuff. You're acting out in the flesh. Does he get angry? Absolutely. But his patience with us far exceeds his anger. Far exceeds it. He's placed a ton of compassion. He's placed a ton of grace. He's placed a ton of love between us and what we deserve. Why does he do this? Because it's his desire that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. We just read that in 2 Peter. 
His patience towards us is, is, is plenteous because his desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's why he does that for us. And it's really, and that's really the goal in all these fruit, by the way, that all would repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. So he extends to us patience when we deserve punishment. How many deserves punishment? I'm first in line for that one. But thank God for his patience, right? Now, by the way, there's still repercussions for our sins. There's still repercussions for our rebellion, always. But in it and through it all, he still extends loving patience. He does everything that he can to draw us to a place of repentance and intimate relationship with him. So what sinful things do you do that consistently, that you do consistently that you know is against God's word? In other words, the things that bug God. What do you do? What's the stuff that you do all the time? Let's look at that list again in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. There's these, I'm going to kind of put them in two different categories, some that are a little more acceptable and some that are not quite as unacceptable. Here's the first list, this acceptable one, gossip, sinful stuff like gossiping, lying, sowing discord, jealousy, selfishness, anger. That's like, okay, you know, they're just being human. They just kind of had a bad day, you know? There's another more pronounced unacceptable sinful stuff like sexual immorality, debauchery, adultery, drunkenness, witchcraft, orgies. I mean, that's some pretty rough stuff right there. So, oh, I would never do that. But you've got to keep in mind that the, the, all of these things, these acceptable ones and these unacceptable ones, are all on the same list of acts of flesh. So there's not one that's worse than the other because a sin is a sin, right? A lie is a sin, murder is a sin. They're both sins. One's a little more tough, but they're still in the eyes of God a sin. They're acts of the flesh. It covers quite a spectrum, doesn't it? That fleshly, carnal, sinful behavior. Do you think that God, though, is pleased with any of these things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think, by the way, that you deserve to be zapped by God because of them? I mean, if God was a zapping type of God, you betcha there would not be one person here left alive because we all should be zapped. Pow, pow, pow. I could just see God doing it, right? And some people, by the way, believe that God just zaps them. But we don't serve a zapping God. We don't have to duck. Yes, Amen. Look awful funny. Aren't you glad that God doesn't zap us? But he is slow to anger. He's put a lot of compassion, a lot of grace, a lot of love between us and his anger. And he's doing all that he can for you and for me to bring us to a place of repentance. I'm sure we can all say amen to that one. But remember what the Bible says, that God is patient. So what is patience again? It's far away anger. That's the definition in God's word. And he places in between us what we deserve, that punishment that we deserve, compassion, grace, and love. Psalm 103 verses 10 through 11 says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank God. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Thank God for this healthy and merciful vertical relationship that we have with God. Amen. He's modeled for us what Christ-like patience should look like so we can do well. As we then pivot from this perfect relationship, at least perfect from his, uh, from his source to us, not necessarily us to him, but absolutely him to us, but we can pivot from that vertical to the horizontal as we try to have patience with the people that bug us. So then we go about looking what it looks like to have 
patience towards others. There's an old poem that goes this way. To walk in love with the saints above will be a wondrous glory. But to walk below with the folks we know, well, that's another story. You know, God pours out patience, this faraway anger, on us. But we seem to struggle extending the same grace with others because really reason is that we're not really giving place to the foundational fruit of the agape love of God. So, you know, God may not treat us as our sin deserves. Aren't you thankful for that? But we sure don't hold back when we're sinned against, do we? Uh-oh. Some of you are pulling your feet in because I'm going to step on some toes here. That's okay. As thankful as we are that God doesn't zap us, how quick are we to zap others? Think about some examples here, and you could probably think of your own. You probably zapped somebody this week. <laughs> Anybody want to give a testimony? Okay. All right. Just want to thank God I was able to zap that person. Hallelujah. You know, you blast a total stranger thousands of miles away because of a post that you disagree with. Oops. Oh, I just sinned. Yeah. Show them. How about that faceless, nameless operator on the helpline that gets the wrath of your anger and frustration for whatever issue you might be calling about? I know. Sometimes it's hard to understand them. Sometimes, you know, they're impatient too. Sometimes they're having a bad day. Sometimes you're having a bad day, all the planets align, and you just let it out. But where's that compassion? Maybe they're having, maybe they're, you know, I got to say, a, a lot of times I'm that way. It's like, really? I'm just trying to get this thing fixed. How many, by the way, can I just say this? This is a little rabbit trail here, but how many feels like you got to do other people's jobs a lot? Anybody? Is that just me? I mean, do I follow, I might, I might make four or five different phone calls about the same issue, uh, and I finally get some results, but it's like, come on, man, you're getting paid for this, not me, you know? Okay, enough of that. I feel better. But we, we need to maybe put some compassion in there because maybe they're having a hard time. I do know that there's at least one time that I can remember not too long ago where I was able to kind of have a little rapport with this person. They were having a really bad day or something was going on in their lives. I don't remember the experience, but I was able actually to minister the love of Christ to her, this lady, this operator on the phone, pray with her, and she just really appreciated it, you know? But if I'd have just been like, you know, just take care of my problem here, lady, she'd have been like, oh, another, really? And then going on to the next one. These are really opportunities for us to share, the, to exercise not only patience in our lives and let that fruit grow, but to also pour out the compassion and the grace and the love of God to people that you'll never meet on this earth. But maybe one day in heaven, they'll come up to you and say, hey, remember that phone call you made back in 2021 about the broken doohickey? And, uh, you know, it was on, under warranty. And I, 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 you, you called me and you ministered to me and that changed my life. That day I was contemplating suicide. I was contemplating a divorce. I was contemplating doing something pretty drastic. Uh, uh, drastic. Your phone call put a, put a platform under me. It helped me to tie another knot on the end of the rope. It, it helped me. It, it was a pivot point in my life. You know? We just don't know. It, it, so let's be careful. I'm speaking to myself as well on that one. 
You know, these innocent words or acts that are misinterpreted in our lives. A person cuts you off while driving. You're treated rudely. You're disrespected. And anger is your immediate emotion in which you want to react. That, that's not showing the patience of Christ. That's, that's not putting anger far away, is it? It helps us to know that just like when you scratch the surface of an anthill, you know that those ants just start coming out like that. And that's how our emotions are sometimes. We're like just ants that are ready to just bite you all up. As we get just even the least bit disturbed. None of these actions are Christ-like and none are exemplifying a yielding of your flesh to the fruit of the spirit of patience. Listen to what James 1.19 says about some practical, doable steps to help us walk consistently in the fruit of the spirit. There's actually three things here and I want you to write them down. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. First, everyone should be quick to listen. So write it down, quick to listen. Second, slow to speak. Write that down, slow to speak. And thirdly, slow to become angry. Write that down, slow to become angry. I'm going to talk about those for just a few moments. It's really a great three-step process as we are trying to develop and give place to this fruit of the spirit of patience. Quick to listen. Great idea. Great instruction from the Lord. For most of us, God has given us two ears and one mouth. I'm not going to be a judge, but I feel like that that's probably about right. Two ears and one mouth. Look around. I think you'll see that to be the case. All of us have two ears and one mouth. Why? I'll tell you why. We're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. Or maybe talk half as much as we listen, if you want to put it that way. It's a good rule of thumb. In other words, be quick to listen. Let that be your go-to. Let that be the first thing that you do. Just listen. You won't know how to respond fully until you get the full story and see maybe the more complete picture. So just, just listen. It's okay. I don't need you to just blast off your opinion or your thoughts or your whatever. Just shh, listen to me. Listen to me. Sometimes you just need to step back and just be quiet. Let things play out a little bit. There's some wisdom there. Let the dust settle a little bit. It's okay. That way you can see more clearly what's going on. Just, just be quick to listen. Make sure the reins of your emotions and the reins of your tongue are harnessed well to the patience of Christ. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. That's a good one. Then when the time is right, it's okay to speak. But the Bible says, let your words be few. The Bible says to let your words be seasoned with Christ-like compassion, godly grace, and agape love. Which, by the way, again, leads to repentance. His goal for all is that none would be lost, but that all would be saved. And that the fruit of patience through us to others would lead others to repentance. Not make it worse in their lives, but point them to Christ. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. I love this one. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. Oh, praise God. Then I like the contrasting one. Even fools are thought to be wise if they keep silent <laughs> and discerning if they hold their tongues. Boy, he may be an idiot, but he's quiet right here, so I'm going to give him a little bit of, you know, grace. Right? Don't, don't. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to just blather out stuff. How about you? The one who has knowledge, you may know the answer, but just rest. Sit back, relax, let the dust settle, let the Spirit of the Lord take control. You have knowledge, but you still use your words with, words with restraint. 
And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. That kind of talks about anger, doesn't it? Even-tempered. And I'm going to just be restraining here. Just, well, I'm not going to let what I see in my heart come out of my mouth. I'm going to put a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of compassion between me and my anger. Slow to become angry is the third part of it. We should be quick to listen. We should be slow to speak. And we should be slow to become angry. That's, by the way, patience. That far away anger. Slow to become angry. That's what patience is. So you got it? Okay. That's patience. Let's look at the next one. Kindness. So to our patience, we add kindness. Now, kindness in its original form means this. Write this down. It means tender concern. Tender concern. What kindness is, is an act of loving, uh, it's an act of lovingly extending oneself toward another. Lovingly. There is that fruit again, that agape love. We lovingly extend. Not hatefully, not begrudgingly. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Not out of our own strength, but with the love of Christ. It's a loving, selfless extension towards other people. This again is a fruit that is first manifest from God to us, that vertical, and then from us out to others, that horizontal. God's kindness. God extending tender concern towards us is most clearly seen in the giving of God's Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place for our sins. The ultimate act of kindness was when Jesus died for us. The ultimate act of kindness was when God gave us His Son. After Romans chapter 1, if you read this awful list of the sinful decisions of people and the results of it, who've embraced every kind of wickedness, Paul then pivots and speaks to the believers in Romans chapter 2 as he's writing to them in Rome and those that are reading the letter. He's warning them of this contempt that they have in their heart by showing in their lifestyle choices uh, the acts of the flesh in light of God's kindness. So think about it. God is kind towards us, this grace, this kindness that he gives us. But these people in Rome were still acting out in ways that were rejecting that kindness, that were not, they were actually in contempt of that kindness. Romans 2, chapter, four, or chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that, God, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to what? To lead me to what? God's kindness is intended to lead us to what? Repentance. God's kindness leads us to repentance. God's patience leads us to repentance. Think about it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's pointing us back to repentance. I'm sorry. I don't want to be this way. Forgive me. I want to be like Christ. I want to be restored to right relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance, but we have contempt for that. In other words, we disdain it. We, we push it away. We, we, we disrespect it. One of the most famous scriptures that we can all quote, John 3.16, starts off with, God so loved the world. He so Just that little two-letter word, S-O. He so loved he didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. Think about that little word, what it means. That so means that he loved us so much that he said, Jesus, would you go and die in place of these people that I've created, my precious children, my precious, precious sons and daughters. They're, they're away from me now. Sin has divided me from them. 
You can be the perfect sacrifice. I so love you. God so loves us. So loves us. That out of his kindness, he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what? He gave who? His only begotten son. He didn't have plenty to choose from. He had one son and he gave him so that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. That's repentance again. It's the ultimate act of a kind sacrifice. And it was birthed out of his loving kindness for us. Psalm 103.4 says, God redeems your life from destruction. Doesn't he? And he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. See, God's loving kindness has as its primary target our repentance. He's modeled that kindness for us. So this vertical relationship that we have with God, where he, God, out of his kindness, gave us his son, Jesus, died for our sins. It's played out horizontally towards others. And that's where the next fruit comes in. That's one of goodness. Because goodness and kindness are kind of kin to each other. And the goodness of God is simply the kindness of God extended outward to others. Goodness is kindness engaged horizontally. It's like, it's being Christ-like towards others in all that we say, in all that we do, and all that we think. It's being an ambassador for Jesus in our day-to-day. It's taking our time, our talents, our treasures, and it's stewarding them in such a way as to benefit others for God's glory. It points people of God to the repentance that they can have in Christ Jesus. And it's best, it's being the best representation of Jesus to, to those around us. His hands and feet extended. It's, it's serving, it's loving, and showing others the love of God like the outreach team did yesterday. Thank you again, Paul, for that. And all those who went. It's living before others in such a way as to point them to Jesus. We're never up here playing an instrument or singing. We're never preaching from the pulpit. We're never greeting people. We're never turning knobs in the sound booth. We're never teaching a class or doing anything in the church or outside of the church that says, hey, look at me. Aren't I great? But I'm going to walk it out in such a way and God's plan and desire for all of us is to walk it out in such a way as to say, would you look at them? Isn't God great? Because our desire is not to be seen, but that Christ would be seen in us and through us. Right? Amen. The goodness is the opposite of harshness, by the way. The goodness is the, goodness is the opposite of, uh, of bitterness. It's, it's the opposite of anger. It's the opposite of meanness. Goodness is the opposite of being critical. Goodness is the opposite of being negative. Goodness is the opposite of being cynical. These are the deeds of the flesh. Goodness instead is the attributes of a loving God who is altogether, altogether good. He's altogether lovely. And by the way, its foundation again is the fruit of agape love. Remember this love? I described it last week. I defined it this way. The agape love of God is really looking out for the best in others, especially those who have as their goal our worst. Remember I asked you last week, who are the people that you would consider like your enemies that maybe they are your enemies? You're not necessarily theirs, but they don't like you so much. They treat you badly. They're just mean to you. They're disrespectful. They have as their goal to make sure that you're not doing well. Those are the people 
deserve the agape love of God. Oh, they don't deserve. No, you're right. They do deserve the agape love, though. They don't deserve your love, and you can't muster it up. But the agape love of God says, I love you even if you have my worst as your goal. It's easy to walk in agape love towards others who are easy to love, isn't it? But the real test is how we agape love those who are hateful to us and desire harm to us, who treat us ugly and who despise us. It's a foundational fruit that everything else pours out from in this list of the fruit of the Spirit. As we walk in agape love, we can allow the fruit of goodness to control our thoughts and our actions towards the people who really just bug us. And goodness is not just being kind and gentle, by the way. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Treat me bad. I'm still going to agape love you. And that's not it, right? We're not a doormat for Jesus, you know. We're not a whipping boy for Jesus. Go ahead, just beat me up. I can take I'm just going to turn the other cheek. We only have two cheeks, by the way, right? So there's a limit. No, there's just two. I know what you guys are thinking. There's only two. I'm going to have a little place of repentance right here that's reserved for you guys. Lord, just clean up their mind. That section right there after at the end of church, okay? <laughs> Four. He's way off. The goodness is not just being kind and gentle. It also includes exhorting. Did you know that? It includes admonishing. It even includes rebuking fellow believers with their with a goal, by the way, of redemption. Again, this fruit of goodness points people to redemption. Ephesians 4.15 says to speak the truth in love, doesn't it? Speak the truth in love. And as we do, we're going to grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. It's all right to speak the truth in love. Now, some people subtly shift that and they just love to speak the truth. But there's a difference in loving to speak the truth and speaking the truth in love. Because if we love to speak the truth, we can speak the truth harshly. We can speak it in anger. We can speak it in meanness. We can speak it being critical. But speaking the truth in love, that's a fruit of the Spirit thing. It's that fruit of agape love that out of that foundation and through that conduit comes out truth that is redemptive and restorative in nature. 2 Timothy verses four, chapter 4 verse 2 says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Oh, well that's just for a pastor, isn't it? No, because we're all preachers. We're all preachers. We all have a reverend in front of our name. We all have a pulpit in front of us everywhere we go. Every day. We're to all preach the word. We're to all be prepared in season and out of season. That means on the phone with that total stranger who's trying to take care of your situation and online and someone in front of you who's having a bad day that's trying to check out your groceries and, and your family members and your co-workers and everybody. Everywhere that we go and all that we do, we're to correct, rebuke, and encourage. It's a good balance there, isn't it? It's not just, oh, everything's going to be okay. Just gloss it over. Just gloss it over. Sometimes we need to correct, and sometimes we need to rebuke. Sometimes we need to be encouraged, but there's times, most of the time, I think that we need to be corrected and rebuked with great patience and careful instruction. 
By the way, that's actually what I'm doing this morning in my sermon. And really what I try to do every Sunday, and forgive me for the times that I have acted out in impatience because I just really want to make sure you guys are serving the Lord and doing well. Sometimes it just kind of, I don't, sometimes that grace and that compassion and that love is a little thinner and that impatience comes out, so I apologize for that. But it's really out of a heart of, man, I just want to see everybody do well in their walk with the Lord. But I do try to correct, I do try to rebuke, and I do try to encourage with patience and care and love. And my goal is to always to point us back to Jesus, not to look at me. It's to look to Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm just trying to point everybody to the foot of the cross. You know, most people don't like to be told what they're doing is wrong. But the same goodness of God, which is kindness in action, that called us out in our sin and brought us to repentance is sometimes needed horizontally towards others. We just had an experience this week where we were able to, Kelly and I, speak into someone's life who just is not doing well. And we spoke the truth in love. There's a correction and a rebuke that was there. We'll see how it plays out. But we did it in love. We did it out of concern. And it's okay to do that. Just make sure that your heart posture is that agape love, okay? But let's, let's not get all, at the end of the service, don't beeline it to someone and say, I've been meaning to tell you something and pastor's given me the permission. So here it goes. This is not a blasting service here coming up, okay? You better do it in love. <laughs> Lord, please help us to do it in love. You know, we talk about the goodness of God and Jesus says only God is good and that's true. Only God is good. But as we yield to his goodness, we can't be good, but the fruit of the Spirit of Christ is one that is goodness, and through us, we can be more like Jesus, living out his goodness in a world that so desperately needs his goodness, amen, and kindness that will lead them to what? Repentance. Some of you are listening. Very good. That'll lead them to what? Repentance. So let's face it. Let's face it. People bug us. People just sometimes really just torque our jaw, as they say. Really just punch our buttons. Sometimes we lose our cool and don't allow patience to rule our hearts and emotions. Sometimes we're harsh and critical and angry when what is really needed is kindness. I'm guilty of all these things. Sometimes we represent the badness of the flesh instead of the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So, so Lord, won't you pour in your patience? Won't you pour in your kindness? Won't you pour in your goodness into our hearts today? Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit of Christ, His personality qualities, his attributes take charge today. Would you stand with me this morning? Is it in your key? Okay. Would you bow your heads? Just let this song roll over you. Go ahead.
sing it along. Say, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. With every breath that I am able. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Darkest night. Darkest night. Close like no other. Close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I've known you as a friend. I've lived in the goodness of God. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. Come and lift up your hands. So all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I may with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness I will sing of the goodness of God your goodness is running after me come on sing that part your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after me. It's running after. It's running after. With my life laid down. With my life laid down. I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness. It's running after. It's running after me. All my life. Sing it out. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able. With every breath that I am able. I will sing of the goodness of God. of God I will sing of the goodness I will sing of the goodness Father God today we thank you for your goodness you are a good good God so we come to you as that good good father and we ask you today for, for, for forgiveness won't you forgive us for our impatience? Won't you forgive us for our anger and our harshness and our rudeness and our critical hearts and our unchristlikeness? Won't you forgive us, please? We repent. Today, again, we die to our flesh and we invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to produce in us patience, kindness, goodness in our lives. Lord, you pour that in from your resources into our hearts and then pour it out to others. Put a lot of Christ-like compassion 
and godly grace and agape love between us and those that bug us. Let our anger be far away, O God. Help us to be kind to others, O God. Lord, that we wouldn't zap them, that we wouldn't just jump immediately to that, but that we would be kind towards others. Let the fruit of kindness rise up in us so that it will lead others to repentance. Lord, we want to be a good representation of you. Help us to be kind. You're a good God. Be good through us. Be good through us. And help us to speak the truth in love towards those who are straying or compromising in their faith. Help us to be an excellent ambassador, Lord Jesus, for you in our day-to-day, in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we think. When people see us, let them see Christ. We invite you, fruit of the spirit of patience. Would you just lift up your arms right now? Lift up your hands and say, I receive, Lord Jesus, your patience. I receive your kindness. I receive your goodness that it would rise up in my heart today and that it would take charge. I come against every fruit of the flesh and I pray, Lord God, that the fruit of the spirit would rise up in me. Add to love. Add to joy. Add to uh, 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 peace, your patience, Lord God, and your kindness and your goodness today, Lord Jesus. We die to our flesh. We die to our anger. We die to our impatience. We die to our meanness. And we die to acting out badly in the flesh. And we embrace today the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do this every day as we're being squeezed. May more of the fruit of the Spirit come out of us. That sweet fragrance, that wonderful example, that wonderful aroma of who you are. And less of the flesh, and less of the nastiness, and less of who we are, and what we were born into. We're tired of living in the default of our sinful flesh. We want to live in the renewing power of the Holy Spirit today. Squeeze us. Yes, do squeeze us this week, Lord God. We need to be squeezed. So that the nasty stuff will come out and the good stuff will come back in. And when we're squeezed, the good stuff starts coming out more than the nasty stuff. That's our goal. That's our heart's desire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all God's people said amen.